I'm Jonathan Capehart, and welcome to Capehart. From Black Lady Courtroom to one of the most hilarious games of Scrabble you'll ever see, HBO's A Black Lady Sketch Show is one of the best comedy shows and one of my favorite shows on television. It was just renewed for a fourth season. The groundbreaking brain behind it is Hollywood veteran Robin Thede. She was the first black woman to serve as head writer of a late-night talk show. She also headlined her own late-night show. In this conversation, first reported on June 14th for Washington Post Live, Thede, a writer, producer, and actor on A Black Lady Sketch Show, talks about how the show comedically reflects black America back at itself while making all of America laugh and learn. It's my invitation to those who are not in our community to come see what we think authentically. You know, we're, we don't represent every black person or every black woman, but, you know, we are representing an authentic tape. Good afternoon and welcome to the Capehart Podcast and Washington Post Live. I am Jonathan Capehart, Associate Editor at the Washington Post. From Black Lady Courtroom to Dr. Hadassah Olayinka Ali Youngman, pre-PhD, to one of the most hilarious games of Scrabble you will ever see. HBO's A Black Lady Sketch Show is one of the best comedy shows and one of my favorite shows on television, and it was just renewed for a fourth season. My guest today is the writer, producer, star, and groundbreaking brain behind it. She was the first black woman to serve as head writer of a late night talk show and the White House Correspondents' Dinner. She also headlined her own late night show. She is Robin Thede. Welcome to Capehart on Washington Post Live. Thank you so much. I truly feel like my funeral couldn't do any better for an intro or a retrospective. So thank you so much. You made me sound very <laughs> cool. Well, well, you are welcome. Um, it, it is such a thrill to be able to talk to you and to have you on, because I'm not joking. Your show is one of my favorite shows on television. And I was doing, doing my own show on MSNBC, and we were talking about something legal. And I had three black women on the screen, two of whom I knew were lawyers. And I quickly looked up to see if the third was a lawyer. And Sophia yeah. Nelson was indeed a lawyer. And I said, oh my God, on air. I said this, hold up, I've got my own black lady courtroom right here <laughs> on television. So that's what we call we call them uh, behind the scenes. But before we get into all that, we got to talk about a Black Lady Sketch Show. Um, it's the first series of its kind, entirely written by, directed by, and starring Black women. And you told The Post, I just want to keep pl uh, playing the, with the boundaries and breaking them. Talk about what yeah. you see as the most groundbreaking aspect of a Black Lady Sketch Show. You know, I think the groundbreaking aspect um, is that it exists, you know, and that it took this long for it to exist. I think, you know, we uh, premiered in 2019 and there had never been anything like this before on American television. And I think that in and of itself is groundbreaking. Um, but beyond that, I think it's one of the most beautiful sketch shows in history. I set out to make a very cinematic sketch show. It's kind of like 50 short films in six episodes. And uh, we shoot everything entirely on location. We don't build stages. We bring in God, 30 to 40 guest stars or more every season in just six episodes. It's jam-packed, it's dense. The joke density is hilarious. Like at this point, every other line or every line is a joke. You have to really rewind to catch things. Oh, um, I do. So, yeah, so I think that that is groundbreaking just in the way that we're presenting sketch. And I think that we've proven 
even though the show is specific, it's universally funny, you know? And even if you don't understand all the jokes, you'll either come away educated, uh, but you're definitely gonna come away laughing. <laughs> well, that that is for sure, because there is so much black culture just yeah. jammed in into the show overall, but into every sketch. For instance, in Black Lady Courtroom, when the judge looks up, and I think it was either the judge or you playing the lawyer, you look around the courtroom and you say, what in the baby hair? <laughs> when I heard that, I howled because you have to be black. Only black people know what baby hair is. Well, now the Kardashians know what it is because now they oh, yeah, they no. sell theirs down. But yes, yes, it's true. We definitely started that, and that is definitely our thing. So yeah, I think Yvette Nicole Brown, who was Emmy nominated for her Judge Harper role on the show, she says when she comes in, she says, "Won't he do it?" You know, which is also right. a very black church race. And then yeah, I come in as what in the baby hair, uh, right. and then in the second part, I say what in the Murrays, you know. So. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's always a fun game for us to play. Right. All right. So can we just go back, go back to something that you mentioned I was going to bring up later on, and that is like how you do the show, that it's not your typical sketch show. It's not like Saturday Night Live. It's not even like your holy grail um, in living color, that you do do each sketch like it's, a, a I think you said, a, a mini movie. Isn't that yeah. expensive? Why do it that way? Couldn't, couldn't you do it an easier way? Yeah, I think um, for me, when I set out to make this show, this is the seventh sketch show I've been on as a writer performer, but the first one I created. And so for me, I kind of, I think sketch can look really cheap. Um, and that doesn't mean it's not funny, but I think that because it is hard to reinvent the wheel, right? You're creating a new world with new characters every time you have a new sketch, it does get expensive. Um, luckily, you know, we have the the belief and trust and and uh, financial support of HBO. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think that they have been extremely generous, even though we're still technically like a small budget show. We're not Game of Thrones, but um, we definitely have been generously supported by HBO to make this beautiful show. I also am a master at making a small budget look expensive. And I have a really good team um, directors, DP, line, my line producer, Linda Morales, this amazing woman who, you know, we work together with every line item in that budget to really eke out as much as we can. And cameras are great. We shoot on Alexa minis for those tech heads who want to know that. Um, and those cameras are really versatile and it's all about using lighting in a way that's going to make things look incredible, but still be able to shoot one to one to two sketches a day. You know, we don't spend multiple days shooting sketches. We've got to crank them out every day. So, um, because we have a pretty condensed shooting schedule, we shoot the whole season in maybe 34, 35 days. So it's, wow. it's, it's not a lot of time and that's how we keep costs down too. Um, but we also try to like have our locations be in a similar area. So if we're shooting at one house, maybe we can shoot the kitchen, the living room and the backyard at that one location and kind of crank it out. So we're really smart. We block shoot, which means we shoot everything, not in chronological order. We shoot everything like, you know, we shoot out a location. So to kind of eke as much out of that as we can. We're just really smart about it. Um, mm -hmm. There are definitely shows that have higher budgets that don't look as cinematic as ours. And that's no shade to other shows. It's just that I, throughout my career, have learned how to take a dollar and stretch it. Um, and then, of right. course, obviously have backing from HBO to make sure that the show looks as good as it does. So it's a combination of both. 
Wait, we, so we have to talk about something else that I'm sure co costs a lot of money. I don't mean to have to have this whole conversation be about the cost <laughs> of everything, but hair. Hair is huge on your show. You told The Hollywood yeah. Reporter something I don't think anyone knows or appreciates, and by anyone, I mean me. You said, yeah. quote, our hair team does not repeat a look throughout Correct. hundreds of characters every season. So, That's Robin, right. that means... The 36 sketches in the six episodes for season three featured 148 separate hairstyles um, that were, yep. re, were, re, were created for the main cast guest stars and background actors. Why is hair so important and an integral investment for the show? It's critical. Black women's hair, like some people only watch this show. They don't even like comedy. They're just watching it to get hairstyle suggestions. Um, <laughs> the head of our hair department, Siobhan Brown, who did my hair today too. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, she is utterly unbelievable. I, I'm literally, I am campaigning harder for her and all of our glam squads to get Emmy nominations than I am for myself. Like I'm like, I'm like, you don't understand the magic they have to pull through. Like every season has been that way. Um, in our first two seasons, Nikki Wright, who works on Black Panther and all these amazing projects. And then um, season three and into season four, Siobhan Brown, we have literally had these hair geniuses that have come through and created iconic looks. If you look at the sketch, like the Last Supper or the Resurrection, you have these women who are, um, disciplets and they're, you know, it's these biblical sketches. They create lock wigs, like dreadlock wigs and Afro wigs and all these things by hand, each one of them just for the background. Wow. Um, and, and it can be up to 50 different wigs. So the 148, I think that's actually a misquote. The 148 is for the main cast and the guest stars only. The, there are hundreds of styles for the background players. Oh, the background um, and, folks. So, and it's only like six of these women it's not like it there's not like you know and really we only carry probably four in a day but we have barbers for the for the men that come you know i know black men on sets oftentimes have issues with getting their hair cut properly for black women who come they come in the trailer and they're like oh thank god because there's just wigs everywhere and these women are like you know they're all black women creating these looks so it's just and really important because i think in the history in this business when we get on set you know, they're not people who look like us traditionally and they don't, they aren't familiar with our hair textures and how to work with wigs and mm -hmm. weaves and extensions and ponytails or even just natural hair. And, and we do that, all of it. Right, and to that point, the Hollywood Reporter reports, the hair department used 92 wigs for the main cast and 115 for background, plus 30 packs of synthetic braiding hair, 20 bundles of human hair and 12 ponytails. There you go. Okay, that's the breakdown. That sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> Yeah, because a lot right. of background will wear their own hair, but then but then they're also styling the background's hair. So there's hundreds mm -hmm. of background players that they have to style also just their own natural hair. So that's just wigs and weaves and ponytails and, and braiding hair. You know, it's not not talking about actually styling the hair too on hundreds of people a season. It's it's really incredible. I am so proud of them. It really is the magic of the show. And it's gotten better every season. And definitely every season when I'm going through my budget, I'm allocating more to hair, more to hair, more to hair. <laughs> <laughs> and makeup and wardrobe too but like you know the hair is our crown it's where so much magic comes from also because we're a small cast right there was only four of us there were five of us in season two there were four of us in seasons one and three but it's a small cast we don't have you know 30 people in the cast so we have to look different every time we come on screen radically different so much right. so that a wig can change that the the hair and the makeup can change that 
so radically. So yeah, that's that's such a testament to their work. All but right, we so work with I want a character, like my character, Selena Duplass from season two, she has a massive receding hairline. I was like, can you make a wig where I'm like bald in front, but I have hair in the back? Um, they're like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's like, so it really helps create our characters or Sky with her jean jacket characters, this kind of orange bowl cut, crazy moving hair that really speaks to who she is as a, as a character. So it really helps us get in and do our best work. Uh-huh, and so, so we have to, talk, let's talk about some of the characters. And one of my favorites is I mentioned in, in the intro, and I was glad to see it spelled out because it's hard to hear when she says it. She says, you Doctor, did really well. I'm very proud of you. But, but, can, but can you do, do the introduction to when she introduces herself, Dr. Hadassah? Yeah. I'm Dr. Hadassah Olienga Ali Youngman, pre-PhD. <laughs> it's the pre-PhD part that gets me every time. And she is in like full Mother Africa, dashiki, yeah. head wrap. Um, well, they're, they're not dreads. They're court, like she long. Has she has locks. like sister locks, but they're blonde. Yeah. Right. They're, yes. They are blonde. The inspiration for Dr. Hadassah. I think I've known so many people like her over the years. I think we all have known so many people like her over the years. There are these people in our families, whether it's your aunt, your uncle, you know, somebody you went to school with, somebody you work with, just these conspiracy theory folks who swear that they're all about education and educating others while they're kind of lacking their own education or proper education. So, but every now and then, the thing about Dr. Hadassah is though, I try every now and then to have her be right. Because I want people to be like, now, wait a minute, she said kind of makes sense. <laughs> every now and then, every now and then, you know, so she's not wrong all the time. But, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So she's really fun to play. She definitely um, has become one of the, the standout characters of the series. But um, I didn't anticipate that when we first uh, met her in the writer's room. But it's it's just interesting. You never know how things are going to take off. I didn't know, you know Black courtroom was going to be so iconic either, but I'm so happy that it is. Right, but you know, I just I just forgot, we actually have a clip of Dr. Hadassah to play. Watch okay. this. Uh, say good morning, children. Good morning. Good morning. Who's in morning? See, 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 the white man will have you speaking death into the top of your day, trying to kill your dreams just like they killed you, P.N. Write it down. Sweetie, you don't need to take notes on this. You need to take notes on this. It's black history. You know you being kids? One-on-one? -on -one? Girlfriends? Cuts? Eve? All of us. Half and half. Nothing? Veronica Mars. You better not. I'm sorry, they're all nine. So, no. <laughs> in the second to what you're just saying, there is some truth in that. UPN was the blackest network on television with all the black shows and then and then what happened it became the cw and it was all about veronica bars i mean gossip girl and you know all those shows that i love too but yeah it's like right. all the black people you know homeboys in outer space they all disappeared they disappeared. all disappeared what happened so let's talk about another character and trinity is a character that that i love um this is ashley nicole black's spy character named trinity who's able to solve crimes simply because people treat her as if she's invisible. Um, and being overlooked and discounted is a reality for many Black women. Um, um, April Ryan, um, White House journalist, oh. when 
interviewed her on my podcast, she told the story of a time when Mrs. Obama, as first lady of the United States, walked outside the White House, you know, with no disguise or anything, and nobody noticed her. As a way of talking about the invisibility of black women. Yeah. Talk about the importance of Trinity. Yeah, and I think this character that Ashley has created, shout out to Ashley Nicole Black, it's her birthday tomorrow. Um, yeah. Give her love on social media. But she is a genius writer and a genius performer, and she came in season one with this character, and she said, basically, she's the CIA's top agent, not only because she's great at what she does, but because she's invisible, because she's just a normal-looking, plus-size black woman. And I think we can't discount what, uh, you know, larger size black women in this in this world have to deal with. But also when you have the trifecta of being, you know, not a glamorous movie star, you're plus size and you're black, all of those things render you invisible um, to some degree in society. And I think that her commentary is so sharp in the series and it's so brilliant and it's so funny, but um, so poignant. And I love the fact that she made her so good at her job that the invisibility just allowed her to, you know, take it to the highest level. But mm -hmm. um, it's such a great biting commentary on on society and 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 how we treat people and how we other people and how we literally just ignore a large segment of the population. And I know she's made a lot of people feel seen. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm not even a black woman, but as a black person, I totally get that. I mean that. Yeah. That, that segment, that sketch always resonates with me. You know, the, the New York Times said that with each episode, or I'm sorry, with each season, a Black Lady sketch show has become, quote, less interested in lampooning the world than creating its own. So I wonder right. how has the show evolved from exaggerating the absurdities that Black women deal with to bringing audiences into the world they live in? Well, we are calling it the the BLCU, which is the Black Lady Cinematic Universe. We now have our own. We've created this, this cadre of, of characters who have come back season after season or skip seasons, but now going into season four, we know that we have this multiverse to work with, right? So there's different levels where, yes, it's not the end of the world anymore, but spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the finale, um, it is uh, a world in which Dr. Hadassah was elected president, although briefly. <laughs> so it's not the normal world that you and I know. And so in this cinematic universe, basically characters started to meet um, you mentioned slurred words, which was the Scrabble game. That was a sketch where oh none of our core cast was in it. Um, and then after that, we had a sketch called Fatal Distraction, where Trinity actually meets my character, Octavia, who had never been in a sketch before. And they meet and team up in this Black Lady cinematic universe. So what's going to happen now, Avengers style, is that all of these characters we know in Dr. Hadassah's mind-controlled world can <laughs> interact. And so I'm really excited, like for those of us who have, for those of our audience who have been on the journey with us for three seasons, but even people who haven't, you're still going to be able to jump in at any point and get the comedy out of it. But we're rewarding the people who have been with us from just what seemed like lampooning to now creating our own universe, which was always my intention. Um, and I'm so lucky that HBO gave me the bandwidth to do that over multiple seasons. Another thing that makes a Black Lady Sketch show so fun to watch is the roster of guest stars who you have come on the show. Just I, I was watching the scene, um, the, the sketch where um, Nicole comes with her girlfriend and she comes out and Vanessa Williams is her, is her mother. 
and she's screaming about, oh my God, that's disgusting. There's a oh, spider Ashley. behind her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ashley, yes, sorry, yes, Ashley. Yes, yes. Um, and so Vanessa Williams, you've had on, Ava DuVernay, um, Michaela J. Rodriguez, Michael Ely, just to name a few of the people who, who have been on the show. How hard is it to convince them, <laughs> they're seeing the spider, how hard is it to convince them to come on a black lady sketch show? Is it even hard? Oh, no, it's not hard. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I mean, listen, I have people now who are threatening me with bodily injury if they don't get on the show because they've been asking me for years. And I'm like, I only have six episodes, people. But um, no, I think um, I've been in this business a long time, um, despite being very young. Um, <laughs> So um, I've garnered a lot as a writer and as a producer and 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 also on camera, but mostly as a writer, I've gained a lot of fans because I've worked with people behind the scenes. And so it feels like to people in their homes, they might be kind of just getting to know me in the past couple of years, but I'm really entrenched, especially in the comedy world. But I don't know, like Vanessa Williams and I did a movie together years ago. We've done two movies together, actually. Um, and so, you know, just through the smallness of the Black community in the smallness of Hollywood, we all, um, you know, I just know a lot of folks. And and so mm -hmm. I just texted Vanessa Williams and was like, when are you back from London? I know you're doing a show. Do you want to come do the sketch? And I sent her the sketch and she was like, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it happens. Lance Reddick, though, we got through casting through our amazing... Um, season three casting director, Vicki Thomas, she was like, Lance wants to do a sketch. And I was like, I love him. I loved him on The Wire. I loved him on Fringe. And he was so goofy. He was in that sketch with Vanessa. And he's so right. silly and so goofy. And we've become friends. I love him. Um, and so it all just kind of comes together. But I have to give kudos to Angela Bassett, who was the first guest star we booked season one, who we called cold, our casting office. And I wrote her a letter. And she said, yeah. I'm going to do it because no one thinks I can be funny. And, um, you know, she'd never been kind of asked to do anything like this before. So once we had her, it was like any guest star we would call, we'd be like, well, Angela Bassett's doing the show. So you might want to do it. So, you know, um, that's, I think it's become a prestige moment for actors mm -hmm. who want to come and flex their comedy chops. They know we don't punch down. We're not going to make them look stupid. Everyone's going to be funny. Ava DuVernay was like, Robin, I'm only doing this for you. You've got 40 minutes. Like, let's make it happen. And we did. And she was fantastic. And she was like, just so game. And like, she's not a performer or a comedian. Like the fact that she came to do that was such an honor for us and such a testament to the camaraderie in this community and how much people believe in this show. And they've always been so cool. We've had literally well over a hundred guest stars in 18 episodes of television. And they have all been stellar, stellar, truly. Can we talk about you for a minute? How sure. How are you, <laughs> how are you, how are you doing all of this? You're writing, you're starring, you're acting, you're the showrunner, you're the EP, you're doing all of these things. And the profile in our paper in the Washington Post, the, the writer said you, you get by on four hours of sleep. How do you do it all? Yeah, not a lot of sleep. Um, look, I think I spent a lot of years in this business being very broke and very bored and very not in demand. And so <laughs> I think it's just like, yo, when the time happens, I'm not going to waste a moment of it. And people are like, what do you do for self-care? And I'm like, I don't know, make an Emmy award-winning sketch show. I don't know. But yeah, I have, <laughs> I have like a big overall deal. I have a production company. We have like a dozen or more projects in development. Like there's so much more going on beyond just making the sketch show, but the sketch show takes up my entire year. I mean, 
Um, you know, it is a lot, but I love working with writers. I love my cast. Oh my God. I love my cast. I love being on set. I love shooting the show. I love the public being able to see it once it's out. This is my gift to black women. It's for everyone to enjoy, but it is my specific gift for black women in the black community. Um, and it's my invitation to those who are not in our community to come see what we think authentically, you know, we're, we don't represent every black person or every black woman, but you know, we are representing an authentic take. And I think mm -hmm. that that's what makes me so excited because I feel like so many times our comedy is watered down or it has to be explained. And HBO said, don't explain, just do you, you know? And they've been such incredible partners uh, and continue to be such incredible partners. So how do I do it? Um, I have a lot of support. I have assistants who help. I have people who care about me and who make sure that I eat um, because I won't. And then I, I have just incredible people who take care of me and, and I try to do the same for them. And it's my joy though, to give people work. It's my joy that hundreds of people get to pass through this show in some way or another every season and, and earn money from it, but also earn a credit from it that they leave here better when they came. I tell my staff, my crew, my writers, my rack, my actors, I say, you were likely underestimated wherever you were before this, and that stops now. And I think that's how I want them to treat me. I want them to hold me accountable to do my best work. And and look, I'm a very demanding boss. There's no secret about that. Um, but I think the proof is in the pudding and what we're creating. And it was no small feat to be able to do something that no one else in history had done before. Mm -hmm. And so I don't take that lightly. And I know that mm -hmm. if it wasn't me, it could have been a, one of a dozen other black women who are equally or more talented than I am. So I just don't take it lightly. Mm -hmm. So how do I do it? I wake up every day and realize the privilege that I have to be in this position. And I just try not to waste it. I'm gonna get you on one more thing get... before we run out of time. Um, and that is this, in, in an op-ed for Pop Sugar, Sugar whose um, headline I have to sort of uh, clean up. It, <laughs> if I say it, will you hire me? Because I'll get fired. Because <laughs> you will to get fired. All right, just you be right. abbreviated. So, so, no, no. So the headline is F humility, brag about your stuff. That's the cleanup word, cleaned up word. You wrote, it's taken a lifetime of self-work and reflection to figure out that being proud of myself is wonderful and totally fine. So Robin Thede, what does it mean for black women in particular to celebrate their accomplishments? Absolutely, I think it's so critical. I think that in this world, especially with social media and all of that stuff, not to sound too trite about it, but I think we think if you're not winning Emmys or you're not um, you know, CEO of a company, then your hustle isn't hard enough, right? You're not doing enough to, to be where you're supposed to be, but that's not true. It's just not true, I think. You know, I have I have a really good friend who literally rose to the C-suite of her company. And she was like, yeah, but I'm not the top. And I was like, ma'am, if you don't come with me to brunch so I can buy you a mimosa and celebrate you and love on you. And like, we're we're not celebrating. But this similarly, if you get your very first job, you get an internship, you get whatever. It's all a step in your success. And it's all to be celebrated. I think we're taught, for those of us who like were in church a lot or you know, grew up with relatives from the South or whatever, like I had, who were kind of like women should be not, not hidden, but women shouldn't be bragging, right? You should be mm -hmm. humble. 
you should be, you know, like, oh yes, it's fine. I'm like, no, like at that, like be really proud of everything that you've done at every stage. You know, don't be too good for a job, but at the same time, enjoy what you have in front of you and do a really great job and then move on when you're ready to move on. But I think for me, I just find too many women making themselves small and too many women downplaying their accomplishments um, because they're not, you know, oh, I didn't win an Oscar. It's like, well, that's not for everybody. That doesn't mean what you're doing isn't changing the world. You're changing the world. Like, stop having these, like, I don't know, these unrealistic goals of what success is. I think we keep pushing the bar away when we have had so much success. The last thing I'll say is the the bar of measurement that I always use is I say, think about your six-year-old self. Would mm -hmm. she be in mm -hmm. awe of where you are? Because I know mine would be. And she would have been 10 years ago, even when I wasn't doing a Black Lady Sketch show and the show wasn't winning Emmys. Like she would have been so proud of me and so blown away by what I had done um, even before people knew who I was or I was on TV. So I, I challenge people to look at it that way. And if your six-year-old would have bragged about it, you should too. That is so that that is so terrific. I'm gonna steal that. Actually, I'll give you I, I will give you credit. I will give you credit. You you write uh, more to the point in in that piece. You write pride doesn't require a big personality altering life change either. We can make small shifts in how we treat ourselves so that others will respond in kind. Emmy-nominated producer, writer, and actor of the Emmy award-winning HBO series A Black Lady Sketch Show. She created Robin Thede. Thank you so much for coming to K-Part on Washington Post Live. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to K-Part. We'll have new episodes for you every Tuesday. I'm Jonathan K-Part. You can find me on Twitter at K-Part